Crystal Deal With It focuses on bridging the gap between where you're at now and where you'd like to be. We'll explore wisdom and techniques from a wide variety of domains and industries and apply them to your unique challenges. I love developing frameworks, processes, and storytelling metaphors that enable personal and business growth. Through actionable next steps, we'll build momentum and confidence. My goal is to help you clear roadblocks, do more with what you have, and realize the potential of yourself and your team. So throw your challenges my way and Chris will deal with it. Before I dig into the episode, just a quick comment. I'm looking for more questions. So if you have anything you're struggling with, whether it be at work, personally, uh, things you just need help dealing with, definitely shoot me an email. You can find a link on the website for the podcast. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com. And there'll be a link in the show notes. All right, so episode 15, Five Insights from a Growing Writer. So when I mention I'm a writer, I get either odd stares or curious questions. And I've mentioned bits and pieces about my writing process and projects in various episodes of the show. I'll often cite them as examples to illustrate a concept, but on today's episode, I want to focus on the insights I've gained thus far in my writing career. First, I think it's important to give a brief background so my insights have the proper context. I've been writing seriously for about 14 years. At various times before and during, I've also been an artist, graphic designer, created some abstract comic books, designed board games, and co-founded a game publishing studio, Masquerade Games. But writing has persisted as my most important creative outlet. Writing started as a hobby, and while it's grown to a small side business, it's never been a significant source of income for me. I am a self-published writer. I have four novels, one novella, and one novelette out in the world, and all are available at chriscroyder.com. I write primarily science fiction. Most of my work is at the middle grade level, which is approximately a kid's age 8 to 13. For the past two years, I've been working on my fifth novel, and with this latest novel, I've gained the confidence to aspire to get agent representation. My goal is to become a traditionally published writer. I view myself as a serious writer, always looking to improve both craft and the audience for my words, and writing has become a core element of who I am as a person. I plan on writing until the day I die, regardless of the outcome of what's produced. So with that background, I'd like to share some of my insights. One, the act of writing is a roller coaster. Two, I write every book multiple times. Three, I write what I know and care about. Four, writing is my best thought. And five, anyone can be a writer. One, the act of writing is a roller coaster. Roller coasters can be fun, but they can also be scary and dangerous. Many times I'll find myself thinking about my current project in anticipation of the writing itself, kind of like standing in line for a coaster. And many times I'll write like a coaster ride in short, compressed windows. Those minutes and hours spent in line, well, that's life. It's the stuff which informs the writing, the messages and emotions that I want to express in my words. And writing is how I express those thoughts and feelings. This analogy works on two levels, for the writing process itself, and then as a comparison to the path a writing project takes. So for the writing process itself, like a coaster, it's got ups and downs. There are slow, difficult climbs, and then exhilarating downhills where you feel like you could write 10,000 words a day. And then there's brain-shattering shakes and rattles. And on any given writing day, you can experience all those feelings. You never know what's going to happen when you ride. But it's a lot more fun to ride than to sit on a bench and wonder what it feels like. And on the other side, across the entire riding project, a roller coaster ride makes for a really nice analogy. There's boarding the coaster, you're buckling in the anticipation. This is outlining the plot and characters, setting expectations on what the book's going to look like. There's that initial climb, you're starting to get words on the page. It's often a slow process, but one where I'm building up energy and ideas. 
Then there's that initial plunge where I really start hitting my stride. The words are flowing fast. I can better see the track ahead, and I rush towards it with exhilaration. Then you have all those twists and turns. The, the unexpected developments in plot and character reveal themselves. Every project has these sudden twists and exciting developments. And then you have your coast to the end. You're wrapping up having enjoyed the ride and anticipating sharing my story with the world. And of course, planning what coaster I'm going to ride next. Let's go over to part two. I write every story multiple times. Some writers can just start writing and come up with a story on the fly. That ain't me. Perhaps it's my engineer brain, but I start with strong outlines and initial bios for critical characters. That being said, on every project, I have discovered deeper layers and interactions between characters through the act of writing. As these bios get fleshed out, I will alter them, especially as the relationships between characters becomes clearer. The reality of writing a book so many times often seems daunting to people, but I enjoy this element of the writing. I feel my years as a board game designer really prepared me well for this reality. Some games we designed went through dozens upon dozens of prototypes. Often tons of work would get thrown out the window after only a few playtests. And that got frustrating at times, but through those experiences, I learned how to streamline processes, waste less time, and find shortcuts that allowed me to iterate faster. It also made me far more open to diverse opinions, while training me to trust my own discernment and know what's worth keeping and what really does have to change. So everything I write, regardless of format and length, tends to take four or five drafts from start to finish. My first draft is going to follow my initial outline really close. I focus on key plot points, who's doing what and why. This draft is actually usually the fastest, since I don't get too hung up on crafting perfect sentences. Much like a band crafting a new song, it's very much an exercise on finding the notes that best fit the tone and heart of a song, or riffing on other people, kind of figuring out what's going to work and what won't. For the second draft, I do have a much stronger sense of what the story is really about. I'm clearer on what works, what doesn't. Few people, if anyone, have read a single page of the first draft. And I usually start the second draft soon after the first, after doing a careful review of my outline and character bios, detailing the changes I plan on making in the second pass. After two drafts, I start getting my story into the hands of beta readers, writing coaches, and trusted friends. They'll often point out flaws in plot, character arcs, overall message, and this feedback is often pretty detailed. It offers up many areas that are going to need changing to bring the book to a widely readable level. So my third draft focuses primarily on that feedback and that list that I create from it. I also place a much heavier focus on the crafting of sentences, paragraphs, and chapters, making sure the book has an even flow to it. For books like the Rainy River Bees trilogy, where I knew I would be self-publishing, it's after this third draft where I started conversations with my illustrator, Jack Para. Uh, this allowed him enough time to complete all the various artwork, but it was also early enough where his sketches and ideas got to influence the work itself. So at this point, I'm usually very happy with the manuscript. I'll usually get another round of feedback. If I hit the mark, my fourth draft will be much more focused on grammar, small edits, and tweaks, but it can also result in some more heavy lifting on certain areas of the book. And this is the situation I'm in with my latest book, The Boy in Bus 13. My third edit resulted in changing the story structure in some pretty major ways. Now, I love the changes, but I did end up missing the mark with some of the characters and formatting along the way. So my fourth draft that I'm in now is a much heavier edit than I normally do at this point, but the book is so much better for it. And so, you know, especially with this, la this latest book, I will be doing a fifth editing pass just for grammar and things like that. But either way... Um, when the work is done, it does get that solid once over before self-publishing or pitching to literary agents. It's almost entirely spelling, grammar, and formatting tweaks. 
Insight number three, I write what I know and care about. My writing got a lot better when I made a simple realization. I needed to write the stories that I would want to read. Writing from personal experiences, knowledge, and areas of expertise makes for deeper, more believable stories. For me, writing what I know helps me focus more energy into the characters than on technical details or making their environment believable. I'm confident in those things, but the readers need characters with depth and feelings too. And that's not to say I don't reach. I'm always happy to do research or ask questions of experts in the context of a writing project. A great example, again, from The Boy in Bus 13, I did a lot of research on artificial intelligence. And as a side note, I really recommend this phenomenal book by Max Tegmark called Life 3.0. And I'll have a link to that in the show notes as well. Another example here with the Rainy River Bees trilogy, it was very much an exercise in writing the book nine-year-old Chris would have absolutely devoured. And sure, hockey meets science fiction might be a niche thing, but I'm not writing for the masses, I'm writing for me. The books became my love letter to the game of hockey and all the science fiction worlds that I've enjoyed over the years. And my knowledge of those worlds and the game is what made the books resonate with hockey fans and sci-fi loving readers alike. Insight 4, writing is my best thought. This is actually a quote from my good friend and credible author, Carlos Hernandez. He said it in passing during a conversation, but it instantly stuck with me and has become a core belief in the importance of writing for me personally. What this idea means to me is that writing allows me to craft as intricately or as sparsely as I need the messages I want the world to hear. Words are as deep and lasting a way as humanity has yet invented to cast our thoughts, ideas, dreams, etc. into the future. Another fun little side note here, there's this incredible chapter in Ryan North's book, How to Invent Everything, that goes into incredible levels of detail on all the methods you could use to ensure that your words last as far into the future as possible. For example, casting them as a tablet made of a specific metal alloy and dropping multiple copies in the deepest parts of the ocean. It's just a fantastic read. you got to check it out. Anyway, art forms do this in various ways, and I enjoy aspects of all of them. Game design, art, comics, you name it. But writing has been the most intimate. I love how the ability to write evolves along with each of us. The more I write, the better I write, and therefore the better I think. Another nice benefit is that I can go back to my old writings, even the goofy things I wrote in elementary school, and see younger versions of myself. I see the, a worldview, a perspective, and I get to gauge how much it has changed. And sure, some of the writing technique makes me cringe at first, but it's still part of my journey, and I appreciate having those words exist. They're like little time machines to see my past selves. I tell people this often, but I'm not writing for any kind of fame or fortune. If people fall in love with my work and want to elevate it, that's wonderful, but it's not my end goal. Having my best thoughts out there in the world, in the way that my children and their descendants can access, that's what's deeply meaningful for me, knowing that they're going to have access to such important pieces of who I was. So much so that if that's the only thing that happened as a result of creating them, even after the thousands upon thousands of hours I've spent writing, it would be totally worth it. I believe that if you treat people the right way over a long enough time scale, good things end up coming to you. And part of treating people right is to create art that's honest, personal, and meaningful. To be fair, it would be great for my art to make enough money to enable me to make more art, but it's never been the purpose for creating it. And that brings me to the last insight. Anyone can be a writer. Listen, there's no special code or path to becoming a writer. You don't need a degree in the arts or be the most eloquent person in the room. You just have to be someone with something to say. Then you work on your craft. You put in that work, you'll continue to improve. Simple as that. To write well, you also need to read well. 
When I pushed myself to read more and broaden the number and types of writers that I read, I did become a much better writer. And like all artists, writers evolve over time. If you're just starting out, you got to embrace that. It's okay to think your writing is total garbage when you start out, but one of the best pieces of advice that I ever got was that the act of editing is writing. It's not about the first draft being pristine out of the gate, or the second or the third in my case. It's about crafting a story as best as you can, getting down to the message, really focus on what are you trying to say. But yes, seek mentors, writing groups, don't be afraid to ask for honest feedback or help, but tell them you want help, not a pat on the back. So I'd like to close today's episode with a quote from Paul Graham. You can't replace reading with other sources of information like videos because you need to read in order to write well, and you need to write in order to think well. If you feel that Chris dealt with it, I'd appreciate your support of the show by sharing it with someone who might benefit. Ratings on your favorite podcast player are also helpful in growing the audience. Visit chriscroyder.com for free downloadable PDFs with notes and resources for today's episode, sign up to the CDWI mailing list, or to send in your problems or requests for future shows. That's C-H-R-I-S-K-R-E-U-T-E-R.com, or use the link in the show notes. Thanks for listening to Crystal Deal With It.